Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We're excited that you're here. We are in the third week of our series, Becoming, where we're actually doing something I don't normally do. We're actually going through a book uh, all together, and it's the book of James, which I say is the most practical book in the New Testament. And I can tell you, many of you have kind of shot that back at me, and you said, you know what, I really haven't paid attention, but we've been going through this, and man, it makes more sense than it ever has. So again, if you were here for week one, James told us that we need to be doers of the Word. Chapter one of the book of James, he said, you know, we need to hear, we need to accept, and we need to do the Word. And James is really good at giving these Word pictures. And one of the things that he says is that we have this tendency as followers of Jesus to kind of treat the Word of God like a mirror, like, like this mirror that you would see on the entry of your house. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, when you see that mirror, you, you kind of you come in and you kind of glance at it. And, and let me hold on just one second here. I have been telling him this little kick out right here is just killing me. So anyway, but you kind of glance at it. You don't look at it like that, and, and you just kind of move on. And that's the way that we kind of look at the Word of God. And James says, no, 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 no. You, you, and again, I use it as an illustration that day. You need to kind of bend over uh, and look into the Word. You need to open God's Word, and you, you hear it, and you accept it, and you do it. And here's the thing. It's like a mirror. The more that you look at it, the more at, that you look at it, the more of it that reflects back at you and gets in you, and it transform you, transforms you from the inside out. Getting older, old, getting older is tough because you bend over and you're out of breath. So there you go. So anyway, but, th- but there you go. So last week was week two, and James says, faith without works is dead. James said, faith, faith without works is like phony. It's like fake. It's like you can't be a Christian without being Christ-like, because if you are, it's phony. And again, I would strongly encourage you to go back last week, because I'm going to reference something here in just a moment that's not going to make sense, unless you heard last week's message. But James tells us, as a follower of Jesus, we're employed. So, so we need to put our mission where our mouth is. And again, that's just a little highlight from last week, so if you missed it, go back and catch it online. You can scroll down on Facebook, or you can go to the website and hear the audio edition. This morning, we're going to dive into chapter 3, and as we do that, I'm going to kind of set this up a little differently than what I've done the last two weeks. I'm going to actually use a, a, a proverb, a, a verse from Proverbs, because Proverbs, you know, it's one of my favorite things. But Proverbs 21, verse 23 kind of sets us up. Here's what it says. Look at what it says behind me. You're going to see it. Keep your mouth closed, and you'll stay out of trouble. Tennessee fans, I understand you're upset. Just keep your mouth closed, and you will stay out of trouble. Alabama fans, the same thing, I think. All right? Am I right? I went to bed. But again, man, I'm going to be off for two weeks. But anyway, again. And then I ran across this Chinese proverb that kind of dovetails. Here's what it says. A closed mouth gathers no foot. <laughs> now think about that. A closed mouth, we know that, don't we? We know that. Because how many times have you put your foot in your mouth by using words? By the things that you have said to other people. We know exactly what that's like. We've all done it. So buckle up, we're going to go into chapter 3. Here's what James says, James chapter 3, starting at verse 2. He says, if anyone can control his tongue, 
It proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of this small bit in his mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds may be strong. So also, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A great forest can be set on fire by one tiny spark. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness and poisons every part of the body. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. Now look at what James says. Men have trained or can train every kind of animal or bird that, that lives, every kind of reptile or fish, but no one can tame the tongue. And see, I read what James has written there, and as I read it initially, there are a couple of things I want to point out to you. Here's the very first thing. The very first thing I see is this, direction. It's what James talks about. He talks about direction. Our tongue has the power of direction. Look at the screen behind me. Our tongue has the power of direction. Because James compares the tongue to this, to this bit, this little piece of metal that, that actually goes into the mouth of a horse. I mean, here's, what, here's what's really interesting about this thing. This thing goes in the mouth and the rider takes the rank, you know, like a jockey, those jockeys you see that run the, the, the Kentucky Derby, you know, those really cute little guys that weigh about 120 pounds. And they get on those horse, horses, and because of this thing, they can control an animal that actually weighs thousands of pounds. This little guy that's like 120 pounds. All because of this little piece of metal that's actually in the mouth of that horse. And James paints a powerful picture. And he also compares it to a, a small rudder. A small thing on a big ship. That can direct where that ship goes in the actual roughest of weather. And James says to you and I this morning and to those listening and watching online. So it is with our tongue. Because you see, the words that you and I speak, those words have the power to set the direction of your life, both positively and negatively. The words that you, listen, listen, the words that you use can move you in the direction of your destiny, or they can move you in the opposite direction. Proverbs 18, verse 2, is a verse that I have taught from this stage many times. But the writer in Proverbs says this, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. With your words, you will build up or you will tear down. Your words will speak life over your future and your family 
or they will begin to tear down your future and your family. The beautiful thing is this. It's your choice. You're the one who gets to choose. When your words align with God's word, then your words become prophetic. And the words that you use set the course of your life and your future. James told us that your words have the power of direction. Now, let me just, let me just kind of stop right here and everybody pay attention. There's another point that I should have put up on the screen. It's not going to be on the screen, but there's another point that I should have made, that I should have included, and it's this. It's, it's not just direction, but our words also have the power of destruction. Think about what James said. A great forest can be set on fire by one tiny spark. I mean, we've seen the wildfires in, in, uh, in uh, California and Oregon and Idaho and Washington, the states. There's a whole other forest fire in the other Washington. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about there. I don't care whether you're right or left. It's a mess there too. But anyway, but again, we, 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 we saw a couple of years ago a fire in Gatlinburg that just took, you know, a lot of Gatlinburg out. And those fires began with one spark. And James reminded us that the tongue is that spark. And he says that the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction. I mean, think about that. How many times have families been destroyed? How many times have friendships been destroyed by our tongues? How many times has a fire been started with the words that we used? And those words ruined a friendship or a business or a marriage. There's a, there's a saying that goes around that you may have heard, and it goes like this. Words are free. It's how we use those words that may end up costing us. Your words are free, but it's how you use those words that may end up costing you. So this power, uh, this, this passage reminds us that our words have the power of instruction, direction, but they also have the power to destroy of destruction. And one of the key things that James brings out in this passage is, is that no man can tame the tongue. Now think about that. No man can tame the tongue. And here's the thing. Whether you're watching online or in this actual audience or listening in your car, you know that because you're like me and you've tried that. We've attempted it. We all know because we've said things that we ended up regretting. Things that we intended not to say, but we ended up saying those things anyway. I mean, think about it. We, we tried not to share the gossip. We tried not to, to shout at our children. We tried to control the anger with our boss or our coworker or our spouse. 
even the strongest type A people like me, we have failed when it comes to controlling our tongue. So can I just tell you something? You can't control it because you're not supposed to be able to control it. Now think about that. If you can't control it, and you're not supposed to be able to control it, then it just begs the question that all of you are asking, well, okay, then what am I supposed to do? And I think that's what James is doing. Because in what James said at the very part of this message, chapter 3, verses 2 through 8, he, st he started using these very powerful word pictures. I mean, think about it, a large ship even in the wind, can be controlled by that really small rudder. That, that large horse that weighs thousands of pounds can be controlled by that piece of metal, that, that little bit that probably weighs less than a pound. If it's in the hands of the rider. And I think what James is trying to communicate to us, he's trying to help us understand you can't control your tongue, so realize that you need help. You need help outside of yourself in order to be able to control the tongue because we can't do it on our own. You see, here's the thing. As long as these are in your hand, as long as the reins are in your hand, you can't control your tongue and direct your life. So the first step for all of us is just to recognize, you know what, I, I, I can't do this. I'm going to have to have some help. Now, think about that whole idea of a guy asking for help. Well, ladies, you know what us guys are asking for help. I mean, uh, I got a blower at the house, an electric blower, uh, and I've always had a you know, gas-powered backpack you know, kind of deal. And I just got tired of smelling like gasoline, and uh, so I, I actually got Barry to go get it for me, and Barry, Barry got it for me and brought it to me in the box, and... and uh, it sat in my garage a couple of weeks, and with all these leaves the last couple of days, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get this out. Do you think I read the instructions? Because guys don't read instructions. We don't ask for directions. Because here's the thing, especially as men, as human beings, you know what? It takes humility to realize that you need help. So as long as the reins are in our hands... We won't be able to control the tongue and then give direction to our lives. So let me show you the first thing we need to do. Here's the, here's the very first thing that you need to do. The very first thing you need to do is just admit. Admit that you need help controlling your tongue. Because we've all been there. We've all said words. We've all said phrases that got us in trouble. Some of you right now have people in your family that you haven't talked to in years because of the words that you expressed over the Thanksgiving table. Am I right? 
Some of you have words that you have expressed over the 2020 election, and you can't even talk to your family anymore because of the words that you used. Can I just tell you something? Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. You're going to be at the table again. Maybe that's the reason why God is bringing this message up to you. To give you the direction that you need. But you know, it's, it's not just the words that we use anymore. You know what they say now? Your fingers are the new tongue. You get behind the you know, the keyboard, and you get really brave. Because, again, your fingers have become the new tongue. And if you're like me, you've been there more than once. And you realize how painful, how impactful, how hurting, how cutting your words can be. And James goes on. Look at James chapter 3, verse 8. Here's what he says. He says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. So what do we do? How do we live? How do we speak? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm here to bring you good news. Because God doesn't just sit in heaven trying to look at your life and point out everything bad about your life. He actually offers you some practical advice so that you can take the reins of your life and turn it over to Him. Because the question is this, who's going to have these? Who's going to be in control? Is it you? Or is it the Holy Spirit? So naturally it means that the first thing we have to do is admit that we need help. Here's the next thing that I think is important. The next thing that I think is important is this. We, we, We have to acknowledge We have to just acknowledge the Holy Spirit's power. Because honestly, listen to what I'm telling you. It's actually the Holy Spirit that needs the reins of your life. It's the Holy Spirit that needs the reins of my life. And some of you are listening to me this morning, and you've got your arms folded. You know what that usually communicates? Frustration. You ain't listening. I'm I'm, I'm putting up a barrier. Because you're thinking, I can't control my thoughts, Randy. How in the heck am I going to control my tongue? And the thing that I want you to hear me say is that the Holy Spirit, listen, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough that he can bring discipline to your life if you will let him. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough that he can bring discipline into your life if you will let him. But it all depends on who is going to be in control. I I love how Paul talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Look at at what he says in Romans chapter 8. Here's what he says. 
Those, are, those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Oh, come on, somebody now. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I can look back at my life. My family ain't in here. I'm going to be very, very transparent. They know it anyway. But when I'm thinking about worldly things, when I'm thinking about sinful things, when the sinful nature is dominating my thought process, I'm thinking about sinful things. And that's what Paul realizes. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Look at what he says. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and to peace. Now think about the picture there. Because the picture shows that, that, that when, when, when I have the reins, when I'm holding on to the reins in my life, when I'm in control, you know where it's going to lead me? To death. To destruction. But when we try to control what we think about, or, or, or let me say it better, let me better say it this way. When we give the reins of our lives over to the Holy Spirit, then it actually leads to life and to godliness and to peace. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, look at what he says. He said, if the Spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So I don't want you to miss this. Because here's the thing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that very, very same spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that is the very same spirit. Think about this. This is so good. That's the same spirit that can give life to your temporal, mortal, sin-filled, selfish body if you will allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. And can I just say something? The Holy Spirit is the only way to do this anyway. Because James told us, no man can tame the tongue. Not Wayne. Not Mitch, not Lori, nobody. No man can tame the tongue. But Paul, as Paul says, the Holy Spirit works in us. And it's not going to be on the screen, but as Paul said in Philippians, the, the Holy Spirit works in us to will and to act according to God's good pleasure. Now think about that. Wouldn't you want that to be the way it is in your life? So we take these steps. We admit. And then we acknowledge. And here's the third step. Here's the third thing. The third thing is we align. We come into alignment 
with the Holy Spirit. You align yourself as you live your life with the Holy Spirit. And, and I talk about alignment. You can look at me and tell I ain't a car person. I mean, I love me a good car, but I ain't going to work on it. But I know about alignment, especially when it comes to my car. I mean, you get in the car, you start down the road, you know when the car is out, the car is out of alignment. Can I get a witness? I mean, I mean, we know that, right? I mean, I was going to Nashville Thursday before last. I had to be at a place, 2 o'clock. I'm dressed up, locked, cocked, ready to rock, and I'm on 40 going towards Nashville between 109 and Beckwith Road or Mount Juliet, and I'm starting to see cars going, go, going every which direction, and all of a sudden I see in front of me a tire bouncing down the interstate. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that'll kill you if it hits you. It was on a trailer, and no doubt, that trailer was out of alignment. Barry kind of reminded me of this after the service. It's kind of a reminder to us, when your life is out of alignment, the wheels are going to come off. We all know what that's like. We all know because the car goes to the right or it goes to the left. And some of you today are sitting here listening to me. And you know that because of the words that you have spoken, the things that you have said to other people, even yesterday, that your life is out of alignment. You're swaying, you're pulling to the right. You're drifting back and forth because of the words that you used. But here's the thing. When we can align our lives with the Holy Spirit, that's when transformation begins to happen. That's when change begins to happen. And it happens from the inside out. I love the way that Paul says this. Paul actually put it this way in Galatians 5 verse 25. He says this, if this is, this is good, I don't know whether you know this, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm dropping some nuggets here that you better be getting a hold of, okay? Paul says if we live by the Spirit, I'm going to show you something here you probably have never seen. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You know what Paul's saying? You and I serve a God that is on the move. Our God is not standing still. And we know that. We know that in our lives. We know that in this church. Let me tell you this. Let me, let me tell you something right now. Let me speak prophetically out over you because I'm going to tell you, even though the seats are empty, God is doing a work in this church. Amen. And God is not going to let it stay as it is. We can feel the move of God in this church. We can feel the move of God in our lives. And here's the thing. When you feel God moving, when that's the case, the people of God are different. They speak differently. They act differently. They choose differently. 
And they live a different life because they're staying in step with the Spirit. Because when you encounter a move of God, listen to me, it changes you. You can't stay the same. Actually, in that same text, here's what Paul says. Look at at what he says. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now think about your words and look at those. Jay, go back there if you don't mind. Think about your words and look at those things that the Holy Spirit is producing. What would happen if your, lo- if your words were more loving? What would happen if your words were filled with joy, filled with peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? What if your words were more gentle? It would transform everything about your life. It would transform your relationships. Because here's the thing you need to understand. Our words have the ability to change the atmosphere. Look right here, right here, right here, right here. Our words have the ability to change the atmosphere. And and you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. You do know that that's the truth. You know how come I know that you know that's the truth? Because you're like me, you have a negative Nancy in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Always negative. And you got your phone, you pull it out of your back pocket, and you look at it, and negative Nancy is calling you, and you ain't going to answer it because you don't want to hear it. I mean, think about it. The reason why you don't answer negative Nancy on your phone is because you know that those words that she's going to speak can change the atmosphere in your life. And see, even as we know that, science tells us that we have more influence if we're positive, if we're grateful. The more spirit-filled we are, the more influence we have. Here's the thing. You just need to get around people who speak life. You just need to get around people who speak life. Because people's words matter. I'm going to tell you. I mean, I'm not immune to saying something wrong. I mean, I think it was maybe like last weekend or the weekend before last. Second service was over. Uh, everybody was pretty much gone. I was back in the green room, and I was talking to maybe Julio and a couple of people. And, I, you know, and, and, and most of you may or may not know that I had a uh, uh, detached retina in this eye, and it's been repaired, and I'm, I'm pretty good. But my peripheral vision and looking down, you know, like a lot of you are able to, I can't really do. And so I tripped over a guitar that was behind me, and I went, well, shh. And I was immediately embarrassed. And I had to look around and just like, I'm sorry, I'm human. I mean, you know, again, that's not an excuse. But again, here's the thing. It's not natural for us to speak words that are kind. It's not natural for us to speak words that are loving. 
because most of the time we're walking around with the reins in our own hands. And when you're walking around with the reins of your life in your hand, you know what it does? It wreaks havoc and death and destruction in your life. And it doesn't give us the life of peace that God has called us to. So what are we to do? And again, I don't think there's a more practical book in the New Testament than the book of James. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to give you a few things to do this week that I believe are going to help you to turn the reins of your life over to the Holy Spirit. And again, the things that I'm going to tell you in just a moment, I just need you to stay with me, to track with me. This is just like you leaving this service today or maybe in this service. You just say, Holy Spirit, here are the reins of my life. You take them. So here's the first thing. Plan. Plan your words every day. Every day you need to plan your words. Which means you're going to have to stop and think about the words that you're going to use before you get into a conversation. You need to think about your words. Let me tell you why. Because your words have power. Anybody in here play Wordle? I'm not a big one of those kind of people, but I kind of looked up this whole Wordle thing. And, you know, you're, you got, you got different things that happen, and you're trying to guess a word. I think you're playing with other people, and things turn different colors, and you guess the word. You get six chances to try to guess the word. Well, I need to tell you this morning, your words are not a game. And when you live your life, listen to me, Crossroads, when you live your life without thinking about your words, the words that you use can do a lot of damage. Because unlike Wordle, you don't get six opportunities to use your words. You get one opportunity. You only get one. So that means that you have to plan your words every day. Now, I think Jesus has something to say about this. Some eye-opening commentary about this very thing that's actually found in the book of Matthew. Look at Matthew 12. Here's what he says. Jesus says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every careless word, every unplanned word, not just the words that you think about or the words that you have planned, but Jesus himself said every careless word. Now let me give you some context here so that nobody thinks I'm a heretic. What Jesus was saying in this text, he was actually talking about the words that you and I speak about him. But this is what I think is a principle. And I don't think there could be a truer principle that we could take and apply to all of our words, all the words that we speak. 
that we need to think critically about all the words that we use. Look, look at what David, David put it this way in Psalm, 1, Psalm 19. He said this, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now look at, look at, Jay, leave that up there just a moment. Look at what that says. This is the prayer of David. But the thing I love about this prayer is that there is a correlation that David makes. And the correlation is that out of his heart, his mouth is going to speak. And see, here's what's really cool about this. Hundreds of years later, Jesus would say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's what I want you to hear me say, Crossroads. If you're going to think about planning your words every day, if you're planning the words that you're going to say, then you also need to examine the condition of your heart. As well as all those conversations that you're going to have. Because I think if you're like me, you can look back at many of the conversations that you've had, and in a lot of those conversations, there's a lot of hurt. But I believe if we take some time to plan those words, then many of those faulting conversations can be avoided. Let me give you another idea when it comes to turning over the reins of your life to the Holy Spirit. That's it. Every day, we need to review. You need to review your words. Intention is not enough. Planning is not enough. It doesn't determine the direction of our lives. So sometimes what we need to do is we just need to stop and review our actions. We need to review our words. And I would just say something this morning that may be worth writing down. A life without review is a life that's not worth living. You need to review the life that God has given you. You need to take the time to review the conversations that you've had. And again, the power of review can actually impact the way that you interact with other people. We need to review our words every day. Psalm 139, David makes this cry, which I call a review cry. Here's what he says in Psalm 139. He said, search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. You have to do what David said. What, what David is saying is this. God, search me. Examine me. Know me. If there's something in me, God, that you need to show me, if there's something in my life that you need to change, God, that you need to fix, then would you lead me in that direction? Would you lead me in the way of everlasting life? So what I'm saying is that as you review your day, as you look back at the words that you have used in conversations that you have had, the Holy Spirit may convict you. 
and tell you that the next day, you you need to go to somebody. And you need to demonstrate to them humility and tell them that what you said was wrong or inappropriate or ask for forgiveness or ask for an apology or extend an apology. I mean, here's the thing. We we talk about spiritual disciplines here at at Crossroads, the spiritual discipline of reading God's Word, the spiritual discipline of, of journaling, the spiritual discipline of, uh, of prayer. But there's another discipline I want to talk about this morning. And again, this particular is not going to be on the screen, but it's called the daily examine. That's a spiritual discipline. It's actually something that was started by St. Ignatius, the Jesuit, practiced by the Jesuits. Uh, and it's, it's not a test or anything like that. But St. Ignatius actually puts this into steps that I think makes it really, really easy and and, and will help you. Here's the first step. The first step is that you would become aware of the presence of God in your life. You just need to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Sit down at night. When the television is not on, or you can do it when you, you, you lay your head on your pillow and you just say, Holy Spirit, I know that you're real. And I know that you're here. Because here's the thing, you and I just need to be aware of the presence of God in our lives. And as you are aware of the Holy Spirit... And his activity in your life and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. The second thing is this. Just begin to review, just begin to review your day with gratitude. Thank God for the gift of life. Thank God for the people that he's put in your life. Thank God for the things that you have in your life. And as you take the time to review your life with gratitude, it just leads us to the third thing. The third thing is this. Start paying attention to your emotions. Because here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit may remind you of something you've done or something you've said. And the Holy Spirit may speak to you and say, hey, that conversation... That conversation that you had with your coworker, that did not resemble my character or my ways. Or the Holy Spirit may reveal something in your life that needs to change. So that takes us to the next step. Here's step number four. You're going to choose one thing from your day and pray for it. You're going to take one thing that happened in your day and you're going to pray it through until tomorrow, into your tomorrow. You're just going to pray that, you know what, I, I, I need to be more patient. I need to be more kind. I'm, I'm, I might even need to go back to a coworker or to my spouse and make things right with that person because of something I said. Here's the last thing, step number five. 
I'm going to look forward. I'm going to look toward tomorrow. Because I need to be careful. Because every careless word that I speak, one day those words are going to be held into account. But if we plan our words, if we review our words, I really do believe that those are the most practical ways to turn the reins of our life back over to the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, when you do those things, you know what it might mean for some of you? Some of you might need to go back to your spouse and just apologize for the way that you spoke to them. That's, that's not the spouse that I want to be. Those are not the words that I want to use. Because here's the thing, listen to me, Crossroads. When you go to somebody and offer an apology and ask for forgiveness, you know what you're doing? You're modeling humility in your family. And humility may be the very thing that you lost with your family. So you need to get down on their level and say that you're sorry for what you did, for what you said. Because I think that when we turn the reins of our lives over to the Holy Spirit, there's going to be healing in our relationships. There's going to be health in our families. And can you imagine what that would look like if just the people in this room, if that were to happen? Can you imagine what your workplace would look like if you just turned over the reins of your life to the Holy Spirit and you began to plan and review the words that you use? Can you imagine how the atmosphere around you would change? Because every day you took the time to plan your words. Every day you reviewed your words. And every day you said, Holy Spirit, help me. Can I just ask you to do something this morning? It's going, to be, it's going to be a little different. Can I just ask you to bow your heads all across the room? Nobody looking. I, and let me just say this. I don't want anybody to get up. I don't want anybody to leave. I want everybody just to remain where you are. It's just going to be just a second. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Because this morning I'm going to pray two prayers. The first prayer is for me. And for those of you that kind of want to step up to the challenge this week. You want to take the reins of your life and give them over to the Holy Spirit. And you're going to do that by planning your words. By reviewing your words. By saying, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. 
Would you help me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, this morning, we just take the time to acknowledge before you that we know we can't tame this tongue. And we can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. So God, would you help me, Randy Cook, would you help me plan my words and review my words every day of this week, every day of my life going forward? Would you help the others in this audience listening to me and those watching us online? Would you help them rise to the challenge, give them the encouragement, the strength that they need to plan and review and to turn the reins of their life over to the Holy Spirit? Every head still bowed. Maybe you're here today and you know that your relationship with the Lord is complicated. Maybe you know your relationship with the Lord isn't where it's actually supposed to be. Or maybe you know that you haven't responded to his loving word. And that loving word is that he desires to have a relationship with you. Because, see, he loved you so much that he would send his son to die for you, to restore the relationship that was broken between him and humanity. And let me just say this, every head bowed, every eye closed, today you know that you can be saved. You can know today that you can be saved. You can know today that you are in a right relationship with God. Because the Bible tells us it's all about belief. It's all about confession, the confession of your word. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus died and that he rose again, that you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit will take residence in your heart and he will lead you and he will guide you. So let me just say this. Again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you know today that you need to restart your life with Jesus, or maybe you need to begin your life with Jesus. Nobody's looking around. Would you just slip up your hand? Don't, don't be afraid. You can do it confidently. If you know right now without any shadow of a doubt that you need to restart or to begin your relationship with Jesus, your life with Jesus, confidently raise your hand. Now here's what I'm going to ask all of us to do still with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want us to pray this prayer together. And as I say the words, I'm just going to ask you to repeat these words after me. Everybody in the room, dear Jesus, I admit today that I need you. And today I want your help. Forgive me of my sins. And today, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Because I want to keep in step with you in every way. Today, I give you my life. I'm yours. And you are mine. And today, we pray this prayer. In the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Thank you.
tell you whatever the however that goes God is still in control and God is still going to do what God is going to do so let's stay in step with the spirit and give the reins of our lives over to him and it doesn't matter whether elections go right or left as long as we're in the step in step with the spirit we're, we're where we're supposed to be and God will use us in a way that only he can I, I say this, and I smile, and I laugh. James was on fire, wasn't he? I mean, he is actually on fire. Such good, practical stuff. I don't know whether we're going to have one more week or two more weeks here, but I strongly encourage you to be here next week, whether we finish this up next week or the next weekend. 